Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Odyssey Station. The score! score! I mean, that Higgy at bat right there was leading off, making him get in the zone, not getting out of control was really impressive. You know, sometimes you search for hits, too, after facing a guy like Corbin Burns. It, you know, he had his stuff going on tonight, and the guys continued to battle. Really good pitching, but there at the end with Wiz, uh, really good jump on that stolen base to get a guy in scoring position in. Uh, Higgy took a really nice pass. I had a couple nice passes uh, there. Um, the first one off Hader, and then um, that ball, back, back foot slider, and then stayed on that backdoor slider, hit it the other way. It was a really nice at bat. And then Morrell crushed that ball to, to center, crushed two, his last two at bats, smoked those balls. So, uh, Really nice job. Of course, that was Rossi talking about Higgy and Wizzy. <laughs> I love baseball, man. You always got some good nicknames going on over there. But the Cubs beating the Brewers today 2-1, to one, plus 220 on the money line. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, because you said you really didn't uh, – you never did adopt a, a true – like a, a a real nickname that you really fell in love with that everybody kind of went by. So and I'm kind of yeah, I guess I'm kind of insulted. I forgot who it was. It was an athlete that was doing one of those podcasts that he was like, "You ain't from the hood if you ain't got a nick." I think it was Future. <laughs> future said that his his Future the rapper said that his uh, nickname was Meat, and then somebody was like, huh. "Spell that." He's like M E A T, and they're like, "I don't even want to ask." He's like, "No, no, no. It's just you know they just call me Meat. That's what my name was in the neighborhood." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, if you're from the hood, you got you to have a nickname. So I feel bad that, you know, I grew up in Humble Park, but then I, all of a sudden, I don't have a nickname that I could latch onto. Right. It's just, just Gabriel Lentes. That's what they used to call me. So, uh, but Gabriel. Gabriel. But I will say this. Obviously, you know, when, when, when Josh Hader's coming to the mound, you know, he comes into the game with like a sub two ERA. And mm-hmm. you really think, all right, we're going into extras. We're going to do the man on second thing. But. For the Cubs to do what they did in the ninth, you know, Patrick Wisdom, I mean, it, listen, it's a dollar in the bucket because I'm talking about the White Sox, but they talk mm-hmm. about walks and, and getting on and how they, you know, the, the Sox are struggling in that department. And look look at the Cubs. Top of the ninth, Patrick Wisdom walks, steals second, and then Higgy comes through with the double to go ahead and take the the, the winning run. And, and you look at this Cubs team, and, I mean, good pitching today. You know, battling. Obviously, Milwaukee didn't want to lose this series to the Cubs. And it was a hard-fought game. And the Cubs, 
for you know whatever reason, and I'd love to hear what, what you think. I know you've been following this team, and, and it's it seems there is this level of of gamesmanship that's going on where they don't want to believe in the narrative that this is a rebuilding exercise and that they are here to compete day in and day out. Well, it's obviously a very different position the Cubs find themselves in right now. And, you know, for a stretch of the season there where you're wondering, all right, how, how bad is this squad if with zero pressure and a couple of key pieces that they've spent a little bit of money on that you don't see any, de- any development from some of the key bats who they thought, you know, and very important contract season for Ian Happ. And he's been good, you know, for the most part throughout the year. Wilson Contreras, he's been good throughout the year. Aside from that, everything's been very up and down. But now you've hit this stretch. There was like four series in a row that they've won, and some of them against playoff teams, like you pointed out. So, I mean, the lack of pressure that's there, the limited expectations that are there, they're thriving within that. They're taking advantage of that. And you've also seen a different approach from David Ross lately. You know, Higgy's coach, Rossi, you know, he's been out there playing more aggressive. They're, they're doing – you know, some double steals. They're playing a little bit of hit and run. They're doing what they can to try and be aggressive because they don't necessarily have. There were so many times throughout that that stretch into the World Series and coming out of it where the entire lineup was boppers, just a bunch of guys swinging for their fences every time. And even Wisdom now willing to take a walk in a key moment where he's the biggest bopper they have available to him in the lineup, and even he's taking a walk. So it's a different approach that they're taking in the batter's box, a different approach that David Ross has taken in, in having an, an aggressive approach to trying to create runs, trying to put pressure on the opponent. So that part is, I think, playing out well, too, because he's playing into the way that they, that they can bring some energy to things here, and that energy seems to be rubbing off and allowing them that freedom that they're playing with is lending to results. Now, how sustainable is that? Uh, I, th- I think it still makes some of the decisions kind of difficult for what they would end up doing with the lineup moving forward. But for the moment, it's at least fun to watch. You're, you're seeing the way that Ross is managing the guys and that energy that comes with it. You're seeing them thriving within that. They're, they're, that energy is coming through in their execution, in the way they're playing the game. And that's really what you can hope for in a rebuild-type season to maybe find a couple of surprising pieces that you want to keep around in the long run, make the product fun enough, and especially as guys are coming back and getting healthy at the right time, say a Suzuki, a couple of home runs, one of them inside the park. So there's been a lot of fun moments that make it easy to still root for this squad, whereas like I referenced on the south side, it, just, it feels like a little bit of a different energy around there because the expectations are there. They're not being met from a wins-loss perspective. They're not being adhered to from an effort perspective. So there's a lot of that that you see kind of the, the momentum, the perception of that squad kind of turning against them to a certain extent, whereas with the Cubs, a lot of that momentum, a lot of that, that perception is turning in a positive way because of the style of play, the brand of baseball that you're seeing on the north side. Yeah, I mean, and they won this game without Contreras. Uh-huh. And so you see some of the pieces that you're talking about, Ant, and they're performing at a very high level, whether they themselves want to be trade pieces and get onto a contending team or if they are gonna, if they feel as though they're just proving to themselves that they can play at the major league level. It's, it's remarkable what they're doing. And you could also say maybe it's a matter of teams taking the Cubs lightly. Now, you yourself obviously ain't played football professionally, and you think that this wouldn't happen on that level. Hmm. But I'm curious, from your perspective, is that a thing where teams just you know like the like the like the Milwaukee Brewers or the the Boston Red Sox coming in and taking a professional team for granted on this level? 
I mean, I certainly think that can factor in. It's, it's a little different in baseball because baseball is so much about those individual matchups, and you know, maybe it ends up leading to you know some additional errors that that could occur because you're not as locked in, you're not as focused. Okay on the day of the game. But as far as the plate appearances, that pitcher versus batter matchup, it's such an individual thing that you wouldn't necessarily anticipate the a, a squad coming in and taking the whole Cubs lineup lightly and that affecting their level of play. But, you know, I, I do think that the, the factor of the approach that David Ross is playing into it, and you got to give some credit to, to Christopher Morrell and, and what he's been doing and that extra juice that he's infusing into things with his energy, with his body also and it does seem like some guys are feeding off of that and there was a moment I went out I went out to Wrigley we took our son to his first Cubs game because up until now Bishop had only been to White Sox games the last couple of seasons here so, and this is the first ball game that me and my wife have, have been to well my wife's actually been uh been over to to the rate uh, a couple of weeks ago first baseball game at all I've been to this year and the first time we had taken our son to Wrigley just over the weekend we took him out there because my wife's from New England. She's a big Red Sox fan, so we had to go to at least one game while the Red Sox were in town. And we went out there, and I'll say this. Because, you know, the, the energy at Wrigley is, is usually cool anyway, but you add in the fact that the Red Sox were in town. You add in the fact that it was a great day, beautiful weather on Sunday, and just the atmosphere, the energy around the team did feel really really positive and you know even Contreras like every time Contreras came up to bat you could tell kind of some of the vibe that people had about it was this might be the last game it's certainly amongst the last games we expect to see one of the great Cubs of this generation this multi-time all-star catcher and what Contreras has brought to the table here so folks were appreciating that folks were watching that closely and you know what does it end up meaning as far as you know by the trade deadline how many of these integral pieces are they going to be willing to move that part I'll be curious to watch because if, if they truly do, if the Cubs plan on competing again next season, if they plan on going big over the offseason, you can't get rid of everybody. You know, right. I mean, if some of these guys playing well, you're going to need to keep some of them around just to make sure that you actually do have the key pieces from this year to add into whatever you're going to be willing to try to add over the offseason. That's going to be a difficult balance, especially when you factor in, like you referenced, a couple of these guys getting banged up lately between uh, Contreras and Hendricks. They're going to have some decisions to make. And, it, and the decision is, you know, like you mentioned, which guys are you going to get rid of and which guys are the most valuable that can give you the most return. And I think when you're looking at the Cubs team, the bullpen did a phenomenal job today yeah. locking down, you know, the leader of the NL Central. You know, Brandon Hughes did well. Chris Martin gave you an, an inning with two two strikeouts, Michael Givens. And, of course, David Robertson, Robertson, who I feel can really get you probably the most back out of that bullpen Someone that you don't, you know, you don't need that back end closer if you're the Cubs right now. So you can part ways with him. He can give you some guys back, and like you mentioned, you're going to need some of the guys to stick around. And, and it's great to see them prove that they can be everyday guys. And if you could just add some pieces to them and and, and create a signing or two in the offseason where the Cubs are going to have some money, it's obviously going to put them in a in a different position quicker than they would they would normally be because that's what we're hearing, right? I forgot who who said five years was the Cubs. Oh, I was I was on with Steve Rosenblum on July on Fourth of July morning, and he asked the question how you know how far out is that window? And I I thought it was three years for the Cubs. He said five, <laughs> and he's like, Gabe, how is it going to get to? How is it going to be three years? And I'm like, I don't know. I was just trying to do sunshine and, and daisies for everybody out here and tell you three years. But when you're looking at, when you're looking at it from this perspective, I mean, maybe this is a way they can do that, right? Trading some of their bullpen, which is obviously the most 
coveted position in major leagues when it comes to this time of year. And if you can give up a guy like David Robertson where multiple teams are trying to um, commandeer his services, they might be willing to give up a little bit more. And one other moment, one moment that stuck out that stuck out to me from the game we went to over the weekend, it was, it was the, the lone loss against the Red Sox in 11 innings, but I referenced Patrick Wisdom, and he, he does. Like, there's something about him that feels like one of these pieces that, you know, he's an older guy who kind of made his, his – he was sticking at the major league at a bit of an advanced age. But you saw that moment where uh, – what was it? In the eighth inning, I think it was, where the Cubs were down by a run – and the pitcher, uh, Strahm, uh, had just put him on the dirt uh, just a moment before that, like threw it up and in, put him on the ground, and then the very next pitch, he hit one 450 feet. And to be willing to do that, to be able to respond in that way, like that one got me up out of my seat <laughs> seeing that in that moment, the way Patrick Wisdom responded to that in a key moment to tie the game for the Cubs. The game they went on to lose, but it was cool to watch that play out, man. And so that that type of vibe, that type of, you know, I guess I'll use the term gumption that he showed right there, that's something the team can feed off of. So are you telling me that your son is now a Cubs fan or he's a Chicago fan? No, actually, man, my wife is making every effort she can for him to be a Boston the Red fan. Sox she is fan? buying all the Red wow. Sox gear, all the Celtics gear, not a lot of Patriots gear for yet. Sure. You know, but I mean, I'm sure that's on. Actually, the the uh, the in laws have bought him some Patriots gear. He just outgrew yeah. it too quick. So I mean, it's it's easy enough right now because he's surrounded by all the Chicago teams here. I don't have to put a lot of effort into it. This is always Chicago sports on the TVs anyway. But anytime my wife gets a chance to turn on something, one New England, Boston, this and that, buying him the gear. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to push back against it too much, but. He's uh he just because we went to a Celtics playoff game when they were in Milwaukee a couple uh, of months back that that kind of you know turned up his kind of Boston fandom just a little bit seeing him in person. I need to help you out somehow. I don't know. Maybe I call. Maybe we got to call. You know, we do Bears Unleashed. We got to call some people right? to get him some right? Justin Fields jersey. <laughs> Because last thing we want is a Mac Jones jersey on him when the season starts. Yeah, man, you got to exactly. set him up right, and Come on, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is bad parenting. I'm going to have to call DCFS on you. Because <laughs> he gave the studio. He's like tossing and turning. He's like, I'm upset right now. Mac Jones, yeah, Celtic like, jerseys. Uh, they're licking my duties right now. Oh, they're licking man. my duties. We'll see how it goes when we get into this fall. I'll get him a couple stuffed animals, and then we'll see how we can change <laughs> that thing around. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. And, of course, on the other side, we're going to continue talking about the Cubs because I do want to know how many teams are interested in the service of Cubs closer David Robertson, and what kind of haul do you think they could give back? Is it Rudy Gobert-esque? I don't know. Uh, to answer that question, of course, we are going to talk to none other than Evan Altman, our Cubs insider, to find out that very answer. We'll do that on the other side. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. And the 2-1. Fly ball, right field. This could do it. Velasquez makes the catch, and the Cubs win the ball game. The Cubs have taken two out of three here in Milwaukee. They have won four consecutive series. Cubs win it by a score of two to one. The hottest team in the city of Chicago, of course, that is the Chicago Cubs. And here to chat a little bit with us about them, Evan Altman, he's joining us. On the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Evan, did they all of a sudden become buyers at the trade <laughs> the trade deadline after the series win? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're uh, they're they're going to spend big at the deadline and, and absolutely not trade away 
everyone and, and ruin the feel good story uh, over, over the last two weeks. But uh, no, I, I don't think this, uh, this changes the, uh, their trajectory much, but at least it's a lot more fun to watch them over the last few games. The fun quotient, definitely up, no doubt about that. I, I do wonder how it affects, like you're referencing, as we look at next season, because they, they can't trade away everybody who's even decent or better than decent, can they? If they're legitimately going to spend this offseason, they could stand to keep a couple of these decent pieces around. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just the the nature of everything, and, and depending on who they've got on the team, obviously there are a lot of, younger players who are coming up and, and having an impact right now. You know, you look at, say, a Suzuki, who really has helped them uh, in the Milwaukee series after he came back off the IL. I mean, there's some obvious players who are going to be around for a while, but there are so many others who, you know, we're, we're looking at these guys, uh, Wilson Contreras in particular, uh, his contract's running out. They really haven't had any extension talks, and we've already seen how that has worked in the past with previous superstars. Um, you know, I've, my understanding of it is that they're going to be shopping Ian Happ, which, you know, it doesn't seem to make as much sense. But then when you when you look down the line, we just mentioned Contreras. Well, guess what? Right. He's been out with a with a hammy issue. Kyle Hendricks was somebody who, who everyone had been theorizing might be traded, had a really hot market. Well, he's now on the aisle with a shoulder issue. Wade Miley, Drew Smiley. You know, the list goes on. There are so many players who were expected to be trade pieces but that are on the IL right now or who have questionable health. And so, um, you know, it may come down to a lot of that. Who, who even can they trade? Uh, who's going who's gonna to be healthy enough for teams to offer them something that makes it worthwhile? So uh, who knows? Maybe by default they'll end up holding on to a lot more than we thought. Evan, it was a great article just about all the pieces that could potentially move for the Chicago Cubs. And those are the guys that are here. But what, what do you feel as though the Cubs are looking for in return for some of these guys, and what do you think they can get for a guy like Ian Happ? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a there's a couple of, of thought processes there, right, or a, a couple of ways that it could go. And, and I think what we saw last year was that they were really intentionally targeting very young players, uh, right, literal teenagers, uh, guys who had who barely had any time at even A ball. You know, we're talking rookie ball players. And those are the guys who are now littering their top prospect lists and, and who are really rocketing up there. But those players still, even even your Pete Crow Armstrong, right, who's going to play in the Futures game and who just who looks like he could probably go play gold glove level center field right now at Wrigley Field. No questions asked. I actually believe that's probably true. The bat still needs a little bit of work, but it's been great. But if, you know, unless they intend to punt on more than another year, my thought would be, you know, is it possible for them to go out and try to find some major league ready players? Can you can you package a couple guys together and find someone, you know, find a team that has enough of a core right now that's competitive that would part with a player who could come up and have impact? That's really the only way that Jed Hoyer could swing some of these deals and manage to replace some of these guys right now who are kind of leading the team statistically without dropping off a cliff next year. So, um, you know, somebody like a, a Ian Happ, you know, I know he's had some inconsistencies, but he's always been a, an above-average offensive producer. You're talking about a switch hitter, a great athlete, and a guy who, now that he's in more of an everyday role in left field, has really settled in. We haven't seen those inconsistencies. So he's coming into his own. He's young. He's got another year of control. You know, he's the kind of guy who could pull back a very solid prospect in return, uh, maybe a couple, you know, depending on kind of how you pair that up and, and what kind of team is looking for that bat. That's one thing I thought was was really intriguing in the article you wrote on CubsInsider.com was that 
the injuries to Contreras and Hendricks, you view that as, a, and you're hearing, it's a bit of a factor in where Ian Happ could be sort of pressed forward as maybe being the one of the main trade chips that the Cubs could end up trying to move on from. We heard a lot while Kyle Schwarber was still there about the emotional investment that Cubs brass had in him and his potential. And there was a lot made of Ian Happ's potential early on, the athleticism, the positional versatility, the switch hitting. They tried him in a variety of spots in the lineup. And now it seems like a lot of that is finally coming to fruition. Why wouldn't they want an Ian Happ to be a part of what the future of the Cubs can be? You, you know, it's um, and you kind of wonder at some point, you know, do they look at uh, Kyle Schwarber hitting 25 home runs in Philly and think, man, do we really want to do this again? You know, right. do we do we want to do we want to see, you know, because there's, there's nothing worse than watching your ex, you know, out there <laughs> just knocking them dead. Right. And, and you're sitting there by yourself on a Friday night. Um, but, but it is it's tough. Right. Anthony Rizzo in, in New York and. Um, certainly Chris Bryant, Javier Baez haven't had quite the, the, although, you know, KB got his first home run the other day. It was nice to see, but you know, you look at it a couple of different ways and, and I know they're going to judge that value a certain way in terms of what they think Hap can bring. Right. And we're not talking about this year or even next year, but two and three years down the road. And, and as I mentioned with some of those guys, it, it is a gamble. It's a huge gamble to look at those prospects. When you look at, Pete Crow Armstrong and Brennan Davis and Owen Casey and uh, you know there's a called Kevin Alcantara, right? They have a number of prospects who are in the top 100 of all Major League Baseball right now, or on their way onto that list, who will be up by probably 2024, 25, and that's the point when you're looking at an extension really kicking in on those extra years. And I think they weigh that value and say, can we move him for some pieces? Do we plan to compete? Next year, in the final year of his initial contract, and is the value we're going to get in return for an extension on Ian Happ at a point when we expect guys to be coming up, is that greater than what we can get right now at the height when he's having the best season of his career, should be an all-star, and and that is the decision Jed Hoyer's got to make. I personally would rather go with the bird in the hand rather than two or three in in the Bush Leagues right now, right? (laughs) But... That's uh, that's you know, that's not my decision to make. Again, I'm I'm not making the money to make those calls. If I was, I'd I'd be trying sure. to throw money at these guys. But, but otherwise, uh, you know, hey, we heard that the money they don't spend gets to roll over. So, uh, even though I don't really believe that, but it, maybe that just means there's more money down the road for someone else. Who knows? We're talking to Evan Altman from Real Cubs Insider right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez along with Anthony Heron. So. Dude, I gotta, I gotta ask you about this. I mean, obviously, I could, I really wanted to ask you. All right, as a fan, then what would you want to do? But more importantly, you're from Brownsburg, Indiana. Have no idea where the hell that is, but I know that your state fair is coming up, and one of the hot items at your state fair is a pickle pizza. Now you know here in Chicago, we we think highly of our pizza, but what the hell is a pickle pizza? And have you ever had one? I I have not. That's not an Indiana thing. Although if you, if you need to know anything about Brownsburg. Just just look at Lance Lynn on the south side grabbing his crotch and throwing his hand up after the, the, the K. That's uh he, he's that's that's our, our our proud son of Brownsburg right there. So he's our he actually he and Tucker Barnhart, so and and Gordon Hayward, but we don't need to talk about him. Um but yeah, Lance Lynn is Brownsburg to the core. That kinda sums up the town. the pickle pizza is I was intrigued, I'll be honest. I don't uh, I don't think I'm gonna go to the state fair and have one. Uh, but I do love me some dill pickle chips, 
uh, I'll, I'll do that. I'll throw some pickles on my sandwich. Evan, as the, far the as pickle, the pizza Evan, with the Evan, Ranch, the, baby. The, Oof. the pickle juice that is coming off this slice of pizza looks absolutely disgusting. Like, I'm looking at it, yeah. and, I, and it's one thing if it was oil. Then I'd be like, all right, I get that. But pickle juice dripping off my pizza with the ranch mm. sauce? Uh, what in the Midwest are you talking? Are we talking about? Right there? You know, hey, we got we don't have a lot going on here uh, in uh, in Central Indiana. So you know, this this, this is the kind of I, I feel like that was like a tweet for clout or or like one okay. of those things they throw out there that nobody's actually going to got keep, me. But they're like, yeah, but but hey, you know what? There's going to be enough people. You have a couple of barley sodas, and you think, yeah, maybe that doesn't look so bad. And uh, who knows? Let me ask you this about Patrick Wisdom, because I'll try to carry over the pickled pizza into a a metaphor here, because there's something about it that's intriguing. There's something about it that's very unique. It's probably been well-aged. One of those things that's been around that folks perhaps didn't appreciate before it got to this point. And I do think that correlates nicely into a Patrick Wisdom topic here, because he he made his major league debut at a bit of an advanced age, now becoming a day-in, day-out player at an advanced age. 30 years old, man, and you look at the stats, aside from the power numbers in particular, it's not even like the statistics blow you away. Is he really good? Is he average? Is he overrated? Is he lucky? How do we evaluate Patrick Wisdom at this point? Yeah, you know, I I think with Wisdom, and, and, you know, we talk about trade chips and guys who could possibly, you know, he alone would not bring back anybody really big but but when you look at that trade of Javier Baez and the Cubs kind of sweeten that with Trevor Williams and they did that in order to get a really prized prospect in, in Pete Crow Armstrong right you have your kind of sweetener there and and I think wisdom is one of those guys who is a really really nice complimentary piece for what would otherwise be a, a very good team right you have maybe a, a team that needs a little bit of that pop and he's a pretty athletic guy, right? He can run the bases well, and, and he can pick it okay over there at third base also. So he's not a guy you're going to build your club around, but if you need that one little piece, you know, you need a guy to DH occasionally or to hit you a few home runs down the stretch, that sort of thing, um, especially if you're, you know, maybe you're in a division where another team's got a bunch of left-handers or you're planning on playing a team in the playoffs at will and you're kind of planning ahead. I think he's a guy who could really be a great piece there. As far as kind of being on a, a team right now that is playing well but is just not good in the Cubs, it, it's really tough to see. I, I think he looks really good because there's not a whole lot to compare to, and he's a great story. But overall, I think he would be better served as, as kind of, again, that complimentary piece and somebody who rounds out that last little bit that some team needs to get over the hump. Evan, appreciate you joining the show. I love hearing from a passionate Cubs fan who also covers them the way you do. We love reading your articles, man. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, no problem, guys. And if I do get some of that pizza, you will be the first to know Dude, about it. at me on Twitter because I can't wait to see <laughs> what that looks like. I uh, look forward to having a beer with you someday. An IPA, of course. All right. All right, Take Evan. Care, guys. Have a good one, Evan Allman. Wu-Tang is for the children. <laughs> oh, you should have did that when he came on. He would have Big Wu-Tang guy as well. I know. I dropped the ball. I had it break or like would protect your neck ready, and I played yeah. something else for him. See, you know, now I get to throw you under the bus. You, you threw Tyler on in the beginning of the show man. with the Friday thing. Now the Evan Allman. I'm just wearing it today, man. It's all right. You're doing a phenomenal job, actually. I did tell you that earlier. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so, again, Evan Allman, Cubs so Insider. Make sure you guys you follow him online. Uh, and we got some more stuff to talk about. So You you mentioned this tweet by uh, Yoan Mokata that was sent out to, to Ozzy. 
and you feel like it's something that got lost in translation because you know it did you, for me. Your four years of high school Spanish class, you feel like it's not paying off for you well. So I took French in high school. I did a semester. No of wonder Spanish. you don't know what the hell I he's talking about. I did a couple about. of semesters of French. I did a couple of semesters of Swahili. So I just get little tidbits, you okay. know, just a little piece here and there. Doesn't a few surprise me. Languages. Anthony Heron is the worldly guy that I know in my in my Rolodex on my phone. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> but what was the text that Yuan Moncada sent to Ozzy Guillen, and how did it get lost in translation to Anthony Heron? Well, fortunately. You got a Puerto Rican on the show that can translate that whole thing. We'll do that on the other side of this. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio. 670 to score. I hope my man I just text him. You did? Yeah, let me see. Tell me what, tell me what we got. No, no. Yeah. Moncada. Okay. He say, si, si, gracias a Dios. That means yes, yes, thank God. Thank, well, thank God. What'd you say to Thank him? God he's fine. He's fine. Right here. Okay. Okay, I say, monkey, you okay, buddy? Say, yes, yes. Si, si, gracias a Dios. That means, thank God. Yes. All right. Thank you. It's all fact. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here. And if you took Spanish class, we're about to test it right now. Now, you took French and Swahili, so I can, I can see where this, and a, and a there'd be some confusion. Okay. Un poquito. Okay. Un poquito. Espanol. But from what I heard there, you know, CC, gracias, adios. <laughs> I mean, that just, yeah, I put a little lisp in there. No, think, no, no. Uh, no, I'm laughing because you're right. I'm, I'm laughing because you're right. And so I, I see, I can hear if you, if you're a casual Spanish speaker and you hear that, you're like, hold on a second. And you uh-huh. don't understand the the context there. Then, then you're, you're right. So it's, it's, this is hilarious to me. Cause I'm like, damn, he did say gracias a Dios, but it that, wasn't that's the thing, man. But, but it, that, that's, that translates to me as yes, yes. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Which, in the context of the text, would seem to make sense too. Yeah, like, yeah, right. yeah. yes, yes, like yes, yes, I'm good. Right. Well, Thank you. Bye, bye. Well, well, when the word is a d i o s, adios, then yes, that is goodbye, adios, amigo. Right. But when uh, it's a space, dios, ah, right, like that, then ah. that's like like so. Gracias, adios. That's something you say at the very end of your of your conversations. You know, like if people were saying mm. like, "How are you doing?" Like if you had COVID, right, like. Yo, how are you doing? Todo está bien, gracias a Dios. Like everything is good, thanks to God. So, uh, so that, so it's a little, little, right, little different, you know. Right. Adios mio, right? Right. There you go. Adios mio. Adi- that's adios that's what a y. Yeah, See, okay. that's different. Like I, I, I adios mios. Okay. Sean tried to step in, like he was. <laughs> I like. Sean looks <laughs> like he like, really could add. I said that to myself like three times before I popped the mic. Sean, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Sean looks like he dates Spanish women from the suburbs. That's what he looks like. <laughs> you know, I, I had a roommate in college who was Puerto Rican, so you know. Okay. Yeah, he's from from San Juan actually. So. Oh, I was gonna say if he was from Chicago, then he probably didn't teach you much Spanish. <laughs> no, he, he spoke too much Spanish. Was the problem? Yeah. I was like, yes, okay. I agree. What, what school? I went to weirdly Iowa State. So we were in the middle of a cornfield. Okay. He was from Puerto Rico out What there. was he studying? I'm so, he I'm was, so intrigued. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll... What's up, Ruben, if you're listening? Uh, but uh, <laughs> he uh, he was studying... I think he's actually a scientist now, but I think he was a bio- biology major or Hell something. yeah. Super smart. Cool dude. Way to, way to show up for us. Yeah, I, right? I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. So Sean's sitting, here, Sean's sitting here waiting on Iowa State to join the Big Ten, man. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize we had a cyclone in our midst. I thought they were. I mean, when I saw it was USC and UCLA, I was like, well, that's... <laughs> not, like, why not? Yeah, it's not the right crimson and gold, but that's fine. Uh, you know. Cardinal and gold, excuse me. You know. Well, I'm glad that we were able to, you know, put some Spanish to, to use because 
I think in this instance, you know, it's good to know the context like that. Dios te bendiga, things like that, that Spanish people say at the end of their conversations. And yo, I'm so a is no different. So then how does that make you feel about, I mean, he's taking another ball off the foot. Yeah. He's telling Isaac Ian, apparently via text, he's texting Isaac Ian that he's fine. X-rays came back negative, according to Sox Twitter. So how do you feel then about Moncada's injury? Yeah, I mean. Or, or I, lack thereof. I've been you really. Know, I guess we shouldn't even call it an injury. Right. And I've been really rooting for that guy. I, I think he is kind of like the Eloy type where when they're having fun and they're healthy, this team is playing at its at its highest level. And in order for the Sox to be able to compete for a World Series or even their division, Makata needs to be playing well and in the lineup. I mean, just the facts. Like, you need him hitting homers. You need that switch hitting bat. So you want him in there. And the same thing with Eloy. I mean, you could say as much as you want of how fragile these guys are, but your best chance to go deep into the playoffs is with these guys performing and playing well and being out there on the field. And you saw it today with Eloy Jimenez. I mean, geez, you're looking for home runs. You're looking for power. And he comes and hits one for you. It gets you excited as a Sox fan. Myself, that, that when I see that happen, it, it bums you out that, you know, Makata takes him off the foot and you, you feel like they might rest him tomorrow with so many games in such a short period of time. But what it means for the team as a whole, I think personally that, you know, sometimes, and I'm sure you've dealt with it a ton, sometimes, you don't, you know, if you're not in a good place mentally, then you might sit yourself out and say, I can't play. But mm. when you got Eloy back, when you got the team, you know, playing somewhat well, you want to you want to get in that lineup. You want to be able to right. contribute. And I feel as though he feels that way. And he has been playing great as of late. So I hope he continues to to play well. I hope they do give him a day off. Whatever. Get yourself a day off. Get Berger in there. You know, let Berger play third. Get him some at-bats. I think that'll be good for the team, too, for Berger to prove his value from, from the offensive side of the ball. And then, you know, they'll eventually figure it out. But, you know, Mankata, geez, you just you want him to play well. You want him to do better. Gracias a Dios that he's okay, though. <laughs> See what I did there? Gracias a Dios. Um, I, do, I, I, I did want to talk quickly about Sorry. some football because <laughs> Ant and I, we do Bears Unleashed together on Fox 32. And so when we try to prep these shows, we almost don't want to lean on Bears or NFL talk because mm-hmm. we know we talk about that all the time. But, but something big happened today. Baker Mayfield. Obviously, getting traded to the Carolina Panthers for that fifth round pick. I don't know about you, but when I would talk to people, that seemed like matter of fact to me. Like I knew he was going to be going to the Panthers. People have been talking about it, but so many others were in denial. I was in Tampa not too long ago. I told you that on vacation, and I was there with my wife's family, and a lot of them are from Carolina and are Panthers fans. And when I brought it up to them, they were like, no way that's happening. They they hmm. didn't, and they're from there. Those are actual Panthers fans. Uh, Maybe they were just like, there's no way our team could pull off that kind of a move. But what did you think about it? And did you think the value was there in the form of a fifth round pick? And it, and it's a conditional pick. And so if he plays X number of snaps, then it could okay. end up transitioning to a fourth round pick that they get for it. But you're talking about a guy who's the number one overall pick in the NFL draft just a few seasons ago. And now he's getting traded away by the team that drafted him number one overall just a few seasons ago. A team he led to a playoff win just two seasons ago. And now he's gone, done in Cleveland. So it it is it's big news because of his draft status. Big news, of course, because of the move that Cleveland made to bring in Deshaun Watson over the offseason as well. And also the situation he goes into in Carolina definitely isn't advantageous for Baker Mayfield or really for anybody in Carolina either. And then the, the totality of what Carolina's been doing with sort of these Band-Aids at quarterback, uh, Warren Sharp ended up tweeting out uh, earlier after the trade came out that the Panthers 
to get their quarterback room. And all like we make a you know a lot of folks around town have made fun of the Bears for all the the trades that Ryan Pace has made over the years to try to move around and get QBs and do this and do that. The Panthers have traded away a second, a third, two fourths, a fifth, and the sixth to end up with a quarterback room that includes Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Matt Corral. Uh. And when Sam Darnold came out, I was excited about Sam Darnold, but I did feel like. Sam Darnold was a guy who needed to go into the proper situation because there were things almost Jay Cutler-esque where he had a lot of talent, a lot of ability to do things off script, and almost when the play broke down was when Sam Darnold was better as opposed to really being forced to kind of refine his skills, refine his reads, get rid of some of the, some of the lackadaisical sort of habits that he had with things. He hasn't gotten to that point in his career yet. So you have Baker Mayfield in there with a quarterback who came in in the same draft class and a quarterback that just got drafted in Carolina. And none of them really seem to have a lot of potential to do anything big for the Panthers this season. So it's not a it's not a great spot that any of them are in in Carolina because it's the, the team top to bottom isn't in a great spot right now. They haven't drafted that well over the years, but it does allow the Browns to to do what they felt like they needed to do to get rid of one quarterback, their former number one overall pick, and now at whatever point Deshaun Watson is allowed to be on the field, then they'll be able to kind of give the keys over to him. But that storyline continues to play out and kind of, you know, hadn't swirled out of control here lately, but we're still waiting for the NFL decision as it relates to Watson. But Mayfield ending up in Carolina, like you said, it's it's a move that's been expected for a little while here. They just kind of had to get the money and the draft capital right on it. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. It almost feels like the Browns were taking the Rams' approach, where it was like, this guy's not going to get us to the promised land. Speaking about Baker Mayfield, yeah. it's time yeah. to move on from him, and they were fortunate enough to get you know that draft pick. And obviously, they're, they're still in a weird situation, though, with the Deshaun Watson thing. As a fan, as a football fan, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, well, you're going to be quarterbackless for the beginning of the season so why put yourself in that predicament and get rid of Baker? I know that I just I don't even know what went wrong there. I mean, is it that is it that they felt like he couldn't get him there, or do you think they were just tired of his antics? Like, what do you think even happened with in that Brown situation? I honestly feel like in in the right circumstance, Baker Mayfield could have ended up having more success in Cleveland. Like this past season, after he tore his shoulder up, his non throwing shoulder, tried to play through it, and you know, just a lot of things kind of fell apart within that roster this past season. But the year before where he was healthy, where they run, were running the football really well and the roster kind of begun to mature around Baker Mayfield, there's definitely a ceiling that you have with Mayfield as your quarterback. But it did seem to me that, you know, that there were some things that as long as the infrastructure on that offense was correct, if they came correct in that regard and didn't ask Baker to do too much, you can win games with Baker Mayfield. He can play at a fairly high level, right. almost kind of Kirk Cousins-esque if you treated him in that regard, to make sure you don't ask too much of him. And it just seems like they said, you know what, because of the ceiling that we see with Baker Mayfield, they were ready to move on from him, and they got a guy who's certainly more gifted, far more gifted at the position and individually has been more successful at the position. But that risk-reward end of it, you give away your number, your former number one overall pick, and in a season where you may not have Deshaun Watson for the entire year and you give him this record-breaking contract to go along with it and all the controversy that swirls around it just seems like you know what they said if that's going to be our future even if it takes a couple of years to get to it they far prefer that and the headache that comes with Deshaun Watson the controversy that comes with Deshaun Watson they prefer that over Baker Mayfield I would say that the Browns 
the Browns view Baker Mayfield in, in an even more negative light than I think is probably deserved for what they were willing to take on and had to know they were going to take on. There's a reason they're only paying Deshaun Watson $1 million this season because they knew it was probably likely he was going to have a major suspension on the way from the National Football League, but they, they were willing to do that. I mean, it's, it's surprising the lengths they were willing to go to to bring Watson in and get rid of Baker Mayfield under their current circumstances. I think it's uh, been pretty obvious the mutual decision on both sides is, is to move on. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for my four years in Cleveland. There's a lot of ups and downs and a ton of learning experiences that, uh, you know, I'll forever keep with me. You know, I, teammates and friends and, and relationships that I'll have for a lifetime. And, you know, just flew in last night from East Lansing, Michigan for Drew Stanton, who's my mentor. He was a quarterback there in Cleveland when I got drafted. And just relationships like that you're just so thankful for. So, I mean, the support staff in Cleveland, the people of Cleveland, it's a great sports town. So I'm thankful for it. And that's, there's no resentment towards the city of Cleveland by any means. But I think a lot of people think if they didn't have a quarterback for the next year, would there be any chance of reconciliation there? No, I, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. But uh, we're, we're, we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. He's still going to be salty if the Browns win the Super Bowl. <laughs> He's going to be salty. I mean, it, I mean, you can say whatever you want about how much you love the people, whatever, flying in for Drew Stanton, whatever. But you're going to be salty if they win because you're, you're, you're a professional. You compete at a high level. Anthony, let me ask you this, though. So now you're looking at the Panthers, like you mentioned, with the quarterback room that they have. Do you feel as though it is same, better, or worse than the Bears quarterback room now that they've added someone to it? I'm going to say worse almost in that, almost through the Cubs' perspective of there's, like with right now, with what you get uh, from Justin Fields as a quarterback with the Bears, the expectations are high, but they're they're in a position to to likely be patient with that. But – you know, you're already further along with Baker Mayfield, with Sam Darnold. You've seen them make more plays at the NFL level than you have from Justin Fields. But right now, there's at least a prevailing thought that there's star potential in Justin Fields if you can nurture that correctly. So I would say that right now, I would still, I would take Justin Fields over any of the quarterbacks. I mean, I've just, I viewed him as a, you know, more, I regarded him more highly as a prospect even coming out. And right now, that's still the, the lens I view him through is as a prospect, nowhere near finished product, just one season into his NFL career. Whereas I feel like I know what Baker Mayfield is. Kind of think I know what Sam Darnold is too. Yeah. And I've had to throttle things back a little bit. I did like Darnold's potential. Just don't think he's been in a, in a real good spot to kind of nurture his skills either. Uh, but I, I think I know who those guys are. Whereas with Justin Fields, you still see the, the ceiling that could be there that's far beyond what either of those guys has shown. It'll be great if Justin Fields can pan out to to have the talent of a Deshaun Watson. Maybe not the uh, character. Maybe the off the field <laughs> you know, exploits. Maybe not that there. part. Yeah. But in terms uh, of his arm and his his elusiveness, that, that's something that you would want. I I feel the same way. I think the Bears locker or quarterback room is in a much better position because of what you just said. The youth of Justin Fields and and the expectations that are placed on him, like. Baker Mayfield, geez. I mean, he just, he was the guy who believed in himself a little bit too much in his I, arms. I do Could, think, like, there's the, the season two years ago where he just kind of shut his mouth and played ball and had a, a level of maturity about him. And yeah. really the last two years, I just think this past season was the injury. Baker Mayfield isn't great. But I think he had turned himself into a guy who could play competent quarterback at the NFL level, who could play winning football at the NFL level. And I didn't see any reason to think that, when healthy, 
And again, in the right circumstance, don't ask him to do too much. Run the football, move the pocket with him. Think back to that week two game, and you know the the first Justin, yeah, it was week two, week yeah, three, whatever three. it was, week yeah. three, Justin Fields' first start in Cleveland, and you saw the opposing you know, approaches that were taken there, where with a former number one overall pick and a guy who was several years into his, his NFL career, the game plan the Browns had for Mayfield that allowed him to be successful with the run game, with the movement of the pocket, and then what Matt Nagy did to Justin Fields in his first start and how awful that approach was. I think by comparing the two, you see where Baker Mayfield, with the proper approach, he can be successful. I think that can work for him on a consistent basis. There is a ceiling, though, that's to it because there are some some limitations he has physically. But I do think he's a a talented enough guy to win at the NFL level. Oh, I love talking NFL football, especially about the Bears. And that's why I'm glad you're here because we can always sneak it in. Uh, But you know what? Even though there was a move made in the NFL, it can't overtake the moves that have been made in the NBA. The Bulls were able to make a few to help shift the team. And on the other side of this, we're going to actually talk about whether or not the moves for Drogic and Drummond moved the needle for the Chicago Bulls. Did that put them in a better place? Did they Do they now win an extra game against the Milwaukee Bucks? We'll talk about that on the other side. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 